The thing about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. We probably don't even need the words, the Name Your Price tool, to tell you that our humpback whale pup gives you options based on your budget. Or that our novelty hand buzzer helps you save on car insurance. And that's the thing about the tiny felt bag filled with marbles. At this point, you've heard a lot of ads about the elusive northern bobcat. The Name Your Price tool. <clears throat> the neighbor who baked you banana bread. Only from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Sunita Arora for Mint, and it's my pleasure to invite you to this webinar on the burning issue of our times, EdTech. Education has always had a quasi-religious importance in India. You know, a school leaving certificate and a degree are seen as one of the key means to prosperity. Some of us might recall the great excitement computers generated in the 80s and how quickly they were welcomed in Indian homes and offices. I sense the same excitement now with that tech. It's something that exercises all of us, be it investors, regulators, and of course, students, parents, and educators. In fact, the pandemic-driven expansion in online education, K-12 and post-K-12, has been so broad that most education startups are booming. It could also get to profitability very fast, something that has eluded other sunrise sectors. And then, of course, there are some issues. There are regulatory concerns. There are concerns about affordability. And while the pandemic has brought millions of new users online, it's impossible to predict how many of them will stick over time. And many, of course, are harking for a return to the old normal. Uh, my mother-in-law called me up yesterday and said it was it was raining in Delhi. And she said normally children would have had a holiday and now they have to sit home at home and study. To discuss these issues and more, we have a stellar panel. I'm honored to introduce Bani Pentel Dhavan, the head of education India and South Asia, Google Cloud India. Bani is tying up with schools in Maharashtra and looking at similar tie-ups with other states. Then we have Sarvesh Kanodia, principal investments Omidyar. Uh, some of his investments uh, like Vedantu, Pratham, and of course, the, the recent one everyone's talking about, White Hat Junior, Omidyar has been putting money in there. So they, he knows the sector through from an investment prism. We also have Raghav Gupta, the managing director, India and APAC of Coursera. Which is, which is one of the largest uh, online, uh, open online platforms for courses. And finally, we have Anushika Jain, founder and CEO of Global Shala. Uh, she connects learners, the Global Shala connects learners, scholarships, via scholarships, internships, and competitions. Welcome, all of you. And I hope uh, we have an engaging discussion. Uh, uh, my colleague Kalpana Pathak from Mint is accompanying us. I will be I with, uh, working with us on this. Uh, so, you know, I'll set the ball rolling by asking uh, a question to all panelists. Um, I'll start with Sarvesh. Uh, on, since the theme of our thing is pivot and or perish, I'm going to, this is an easy one. How has the pandemic affected your business model? And how much did you really have to pivot over the last six? Over to you, sir. Uh, thanks, and you know, thanks for having me here. I think there are three, you know, big changes that I would, uh, you know, like to point out. I think the first, you know, one big one for us is in the evaluation process itself. Uh, so pre-COVID, uh, you know, it would involve spending significant time, uh, you know, with the the teams of the companies that we are, uh, you know, looking to invest in. 
uh, with the idea being that you know you understand the business model in detail, uh, but also to get to know the team better, uh, you know, and to build a, a deep relationship with them as we go you know, through that evaluation process. Uh, this is secure, you know, in an online context, uh, and so in some sense you have to make an extra effort, uh, you know, to go beyond you know business discussions in these online conversations, uh, so that you can build that trust and relationship, uh, which you would have done in an offline context. Uh, but you're now having to do in an online, uh, you know, sort of environment here. So I think that's one big change. Uh, the other is just in the kind of business models itself that we look at. Uh, and so the preference very clearly now is for models that are, uh, you know, largely online uh, and, and are rather benefiting, uh, you know, as a result of the tailwinds, uh, you know, that have been created, uh, you know, due to COVID. Uh, and EdTech is a good example of that. Uh, and, you know, the growth that we've seen post-COVID has been, has been quite tremendous. Um, the third one I would say, uh, you know, is on the on the portfolio itself. There are several sectors and businesses, uh, you know, that have been impacted. Uh, and so, uh, you know, just in terms of portfolio management now is a lot more dynamic uh, because the, uh, the external environment, uh, you know, is changing, uh, you know, more frequently uh, and more rapidly than it had, uh, you know, ever been in the past. Uh, so again, uh, just in terms of portfolio management, uh, that work is a lot more dynamic, uh, you know, and, and sort of responding to evolving situations. Uh, uh, than it had been in uh, ever before. Okay, great. Uh, I'm going to pass the ball to Bani. Bani, over to you. Yes. Specifically, um, the last so six months. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think it's a brilliant time for uh, EdTech as also education in general. Uh, I think, you know, we've been talking about how we need a more student-centered approach, you know, how we actually need to empower teachers and they become directors in classrooms. Uh, the whole online boom, I think the, the entire fundamental shift that we are seeing towards the student-centered learning model is fabulous. I think it's great for our industry. Uh, and and uh, what I am even more optimistic about is the pace of change that we are seeing, uh, whether it's about our conversations with governments and, you know, bold decisions being taken, uh, whether it's about the private school segment where the opportunity to actually do blended learning and make it a reality uh, is front and center. And sorry, you're not. Yeah. Sorry, I, I could actually hear a background noise. Any questions? Sorry. So coming back to. Uh, no, please you know, continue. Bye. Yeah, thanks. So the opportunity clearly is, uh, you know, how do we actually make this a more sustainable model? Uh, we know, uh, you know, we've all gone online and I think uh, it's a bittersweet experience. Um, there are students who probably uh, are not part of that, uh, you know, part of that journey. We need to think about equity and access uh, and, and very, very important that, you know, we continue to make these, you know, transformative, bold decisions by governments, by school managements. Uh, you know, there okay. is a lot more no. investment that we can um, business models in terms of, you know, how we can make that shift happen. Uh, but overall, what I would say is that now it's with that education ecosystem to actually uh, make it a more sustainable model, take the learnings, make sure that we are investing in equity and access uh, across the board. Great. Uh, if uh, Raghav, you could take over and help us understand how exactly have you pivot, pivoted your business model over the last six months, especially in the light of uh, yeah, the pandemic uh, that has impacted. Sure. Um, so we are in the higher education space. So I'll talk from the context of the higher education space. And uh, in the higher education space, there are two types of uh, individuals or learners who matter uh, from a Coursera perspective. These are students in colleges and universities. 
and these are working professionals and last six months has obviously been a massive change for everybody in this space uh, our business model has not changed or pivoted if at all uh, one underlying uh, element for Coursera in India has been growth uh, that's I would say the single word which kind of describes what the last six months have been uh, so we have a consumer platform where an individual can come and you know take various MOOC courses they can take certificates they can take degrees and so on and so forth and it's a fairly large base you know globally there are 65 million people on our platform and in India you know there at the start of the year there were uh, 5 million people on our platform and that number is upwards of 8 million people now so just the number of people coming to the Coursera platform and taking learning has gone up and the usage has gone up by some 1400% compared to last year. So I think one thing that we've seen massively on a consumer platform where an individual can come and take uh, learning is massive growth. And then we have an institutional platform called Coursera for Business, Coursera for Governments and Coursera for Campus. Now when campus is shut down in the country and there are like 37, 38 million students in the country across some 40,000 institutions, we actually made our platform, which is Coursera for Campus, available for free to all of these colleges and universities. And, you know, we made like 4,000 courses available for free for six months, you know, for that period of time. And as of today, uh, there are about 3,000 colleges and uh, universities in the country who've been using the platform. There are 7 lakh students who've clocked some crazy number of courses and the usage has been massive. So there's also been massive growth there. On the business side, because businesses have been impacted, the growth is not as sharp. But what we've seen on the business side is that businesses are massively investing in digital skills and data skills. You know, all of us know Globally, there have been many, many job losses. The International Labour Organization talks about 400 million job losses globally because of COVID. And in India, you know, yesterday CMIE data says there have been 19 million job losses in the white collar salaried space. And what most companies are doing, I was in a meeting with the CHRO of one of the largest banks yesterday. They are transforming their business models to go digital and to go data centric very, very aggressively. And many companies don't have those skills uh, skills as of now. And so that's where a lot of the education is being focused on. So I think overall, we've not really seen a shift in our business model. We've just seen massive growth over the last six months. Okay, great. Thank you, uh, Raghav. Anushika, uh, how has it been for you with, over the last uh, six months, given the theme of pivot or perish? So what kind of uh, response have you seen and how, how much have you pivoted in terms of your business model? So um, if we are considering the last six months of this COVID situation, uh, it has not actually made any change to our business plans. The only thing that uh, this whole situation has given to us is a strong catalyst push. Because at this point of time, uh, now everyone knows what is the virtual concept, how e-learning works and all of it. So initially, if we would have started all our plans of virtual learning, virtual you know, internships and scholarships and all those things, then people must have or might have challenged us based on why it is important. But this COVID has actually um, made everyone to the same page that no, it's not just, um, you know, uh, random concept this is the need of the hour and maybe the new normal that we are going to have so this uh, whole covid situation has actually given us a push in the ideas and the milestones that we set it for our setup for maybe one year or two years so it's all now that we have 
we are working on achieving all our milestones within a shorter period of time with a higher uh, speed and uh, you know clear focus around it so that is how great. like we have worked all right okay great so just to follow up to the the question that we addressed right now uh, any targets that any of you your companies had that covid has actually accelerated your growth like raghav mentioned that there are a lot of people who have come on board 4000 courses that they've opened so a growth target that you had and you've actually overshot that thanks to the pandemic <laughs> sorry to use that but uh, just the six months actually has accelerated brought you to a place where you actually thought you'll take another year or two to get actually uh, bani you may want to take the lead there yeah sure so the way that uh, we look at it from a google perspective is that future of compu- uh, computing has definitely come early uh, and that's the exciting part uh, you know we like i said we've always been hopeful that um, there would be skills uh, that our students will be taught in schools uh, around computational thinking uh, about analytical thinking about project based learning all of that are now becoming a reality and and also uh, what is very interesting is because of the new education uh, policy because of you know how we are as a nation pivoting towards you know uh, upskilling uh, students upskilling teachers uh, uh, you know providing a more scalable uh, blended learning model it makes uh, us all as an ecosystem become more innovative uh and not only have we adopted in uh, on an adapted in the last you know couple of months uh the trend that we are seeing is that these will in the long term become the new uh you know new models uh and that will open up again a, a new set of opportunities for the edtech sector uh you know case in point uh, when we're thinking about student centered learning models uh the kind of platforms that need to be uh, developed the kind of content that needs to support these scalable platforms the kind of teacher training uh, courses that we will have to plan and redevelop uh you know and then going forward in terms of what kind of change management that we need to do it with in terms of you know school leaders that itself you know kind of gives us a huge opportunity across all segments uh, of education so yeah sarvesh you want to add to that you were saying yeah. something yeah i can add i think you know we've seen uh, i would say across the board uh, you know significant uh, you know growth uh, post covid in our uh, you know portfolio companies in the edtech space uh, to give you an example there are three in the after school uh, you know sort of fusion and desktop space uh, you know vedantu doubtnut you know white hat in the coding space uh and we saw i mean in some sense uh, you know uh, what other panelists have been saying uh, you know we saw growth uh, actually get accelerated by year uh, you know almost where targets that assumed for uh, you know mid 21 uh, or so we are sort of seeing uh, you know that kind of attraction today uh, so i think uh, you know the after school space definitely has seen a lot of growth and and you know there uh, the sector was already uh, you know sort of uh, gaining a momentum as such and i think that sort of picked up i think the big change uh, you know that happened as raghav sort of pointed out Uh, is when you look at the you know the schools and the colleges uh, you know space itself, uh, which is where I would say you know technology adoption uh, you know was wasn't you know where one would like it to be, and I think there because of the situation uh, you know there is significant uh, you know adoption that has happened, uh, and I would say that's the uh, you know that's the the bigger uh, you know shift as well um, uh, you know in terms of and I think that throws up new opportunities as well. right because when you look at a lot of entrepreneurs today uh, you know several of them focus on the b2c space and rightly so uh, because there's a lot of demand in that space uh, what this throws opportunities in the b2c space in you know schools or colleges uh, because there's also you know adoption happening in that space now 
Okay, great, great. Raghav, I'd like to come to you. You mentioned all, already that 4,000 courses had thrown open, but if you can help me understand over the last three to five years, the kind of growth that you see we saw vis-a-vis -vis the one that you've already seen in six months uh, that we're discussing. Any uh, numbers that you could give us there in, in terms of percentages, the kind of growth that you've seen and how much do you see that accelerating further? Sure. So like I was saying at the start, you know, because there's a very large uh, platform already. Uh, yes. You know, there are millions of learners on our platform, but on a fairly large base, over March, April, May, we saw usage globally go up by about 650% or something like that. And in India, okay. on a base of about 7-8 million individuals who are on the Coursera platform taking various courses, we saw usage go up by about 1400%. So the growth compared to last year was, of course, very significant. Uh, I would qualify this by saying that some of this also happened because we made uh, some courses available for free and you know people were at home and they made full use of uh, this period but i would also add that uh, the kind of changes in skills for the working professional that we were expecting would happen in you know 5 6 months that's happened in a 5 uh, in a 5 6 year period has happened in a 5 6 month period and they're very, uh, you know, very big changes that we're seeing in terms of companies investing in saying to their uh, talent pool, to their employees that we want you to be digitally skilled. Companies are investing in their data science, data analytics team. So some of this has been driven because of uh, free courses being made available. But some of this has also been driven because the kind of skills that all of us need to be having as professionals, especially in companies that are impacted by digital and data that's shifted quite significantly as well anshika you'd like to add to that yeah definitely so uh, we do not have data points what happened to us compared to last year because we are very new to the market but you can definitely say that this covid has accelerated our uh, goal milestones a lot the day we established, we thought that we will uh, create different milestones for different sectors which need to be accomplished by next year. For example, uh, we aim to become global and serve global students. You know, we were having small goals like achieving uh, reaching 100, uh, like 10 cities or 10 countries till the end of the year. For educators, we thought that we will be working and developing enhancement and upskilling workshops for educators by the end of this year. And same goes for institute too. Whatever universities we are working with, we were having ideas about taking them online or adding some skill building courses on their behalf and distributing it to the you know, different parts of the world. But because of COVID, um, if we just talk about our six-month installments or our goals, it has drastically gone up. Like from day one till now, at this point of time, we are able to reach out students from uh, more than 108 countries till date. Whatever we were about to do for educators by the end of the year, we are launching those kind of workshop and skill building series for them right now. And when we talk about institutes, we are seeing that, you know, um, specifically Indian institutes, they are also struggling a lot because not everyone was well equipped or prepared for going online overnight. So Absolutely. everyone sees a gap. 
and those gaps we are able to fill and cater um, and as a result of which like this was an opportunity for us at the same time this resulted in uh, opportunities for each one of us out there in education and tech sector itself so that is how we uh, have been accelerated with us thanks uh, you know when uh, we write on education sector we are always told that education is one recession proof segment i think all the examples that you are giving uh, us it actually proves that education is one truly recession proof sector so uh, continuing this i wanted to ask you uh, there's always an opportunity in a challenge that we are presented with so in this particular case what kind of new business models that you see emerging are there new segments that will emerge which will caught the catch the attention of uh, investors uh, sarvesh probably you can answer that and uh, for schools or for new learning centers what are the new things that new uh, trends that we can see emerging from this particular challenge in addition to the fact that technology is aiding education i think uh, you know we are still scratching the surface uh, you know when it comes to edtech uh, you know education is among the largest sectors out there in india today uh, there are about 260 million uh, you know enrolled children in schools uh, 36 40 million in, uh, in colleges and another million sort of you know studying uh, you know the various kinds of skilling courses so i think edtech today still uh, you know very early in the in the growth journey so i think there are one there are significant uh, you know growth opportunities uh, that exist across the space i think one uh, you know what we we'll see the uh, you know the existing sort of after school tuition test that space uh, going deeper into the uh, you know the income segments as such right so how do you build for uh, you know middle and lower income segments and expand that pool of students that you're reaching out to uh, which will require a, a, you know sort of a different set of solutions and what you have to then to contextualize to them uh, and that i think okay. is a opportunity uh moving beyond uh, you know even education uh, you know what we call as sort of life skills uh, which is going beyond academic outcomes focusing on more holistic uh, you know development of a child uh, you know be it in terms of skill sets or in terms of mindset uh, now that's a space which is totally untapped today uh, you know where we believe there is a massive opportunity um, where i think work is happening both in the you know in the public sector as well as the you know the private sector now and i think the new education policy also puts a lot of emphasis uh, yes. you know on that front uh similarly you know when you look at it a lot of the the growth that you're seeing right now uh is coming let's say in the school segment in the higher age group so students those who are studying in grade 6 to 8 uh but when you look at the early learning years uh you know that again is a space that is largely untapped thus far uh and present significant uh you know opportunity for players to capitalize on um as i said earlier i think the big shift for uh, you know for the sector is really opening up the b2b space itself uh which is how do you work with schools how do you work with colleges uh you know and impact that ecosystem uh which is i think uh, uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of effort is required and and you know i think there's a large business opportunity over there as well uh which can have significant uh, you know impact as well because a lot of you know money is already flowing through that uh, you know through that sector so how do you improve the quality uh you know of that of that space as such um finally i would say i think in the in the post capital space uh, you know what we're seeing as as you know dagar was mentioning i think one uh, you know you are operating through colleges uh, but what we are also seeing is emergence of students for 6 to 12 months in specific areas uh, you know it could be software engineering uh, you know it could be healthcare uh, and then it help them uh, you know get jobs and i think the potential for that is massive uh, you know that has potential to even disrupt the you know the college space uh, you know eventually uh so i think uh, yes. across 
across these spaces, be it K-12, uh, you know, post-K-12, in school, after school, uh, I think there's a lot of untapped opportunity. Great, great. Raghav, you'd like to add to that uh, in terms of new business models that we could see emerging? Um, so I'm not sure if I can comment about new business models in general, but I can maybe talk a little bit more in terms of the uh, higher education space per se. And I think there are some permanent shifts that are happening. Uh, these are not temporary shifts, uh, you know, and, and things will not go back to what they were as of six months ago. So if you look at the corporate uh, learning and development space, it's a fairly large market globally. There's almost yes, uh, $400 billion that is spent on corporate learning and development. And before COVID, I would guesstimate that maybe, you know, one third was online and two third was uh, offline, you know, in-person kind of education. Uh, today, all of that has gone uh, online. And chances are that most of it will stay online, uh, even when, camp, you know, offices start to open and people start coming back whenever that might be the case. So I think that's a permanent shift. And like all of us are probably experiencing in the corporate world as well, uh, work from home may not stay 100%, but chances are that work from home will, you know, continue to stay for 40% for the foreseeable future. You know, my own company is making plans where we will not all come back to office all the time uh, ever again in the future. And then also in the um, uh, higher education space with colleges and universities, uh, the government of India has you know, made a lot of changes. We've seen the new education policy. We've seen uh, UGC and AICT say we will allow a higher percentage of online learning to be used on campuses and so on. And a lot of that is going to be permanent shift as well. It's not going to go back to normal you know, as and when uh, COVID goes away. Okay, uh, great. Any, Bani, any significant uh, changes that you see uh, uh, that being brought into uh, Google? The new edu uh, the models that you see emerging, the, does Google see any of it given you are in the education sector? So in the education space, uh, you know, how we, uh, we have communication or, you know, conversations with uh, either governments or our public school uh, or the private school sector is uh, obviously already changed. Uh, you know, when we are talking about large ecosystems like Maharashtra, uh, you know, large training partnerships with CBSE, clearly their intent there is to create a model that, you know, will uh, not only have what is relevant for India, uh, but also over a period of time, like I had mentioned earlier as well, become more sustainable. Uh, whatever the ecosystem needs in terms of, you know, scalability of platforms, uh, how we should be able to get uh, great content uh, available uh, to every child in the country would become really important. So what are those models? How will we build those models? What would be the e-learning strategy uh, of a state? Uh, all of those are new conversations. They've been have we've been having these earlier, but when you actually bring in the element of connectivity and internet, and that becomes a fundamental uh, in delivering these, uh, we will have to rethink a lot of what has been done today. And when we are rethinking it, we'll also have to put in place frameworks uh, that ensure that you know there is e equity, there is access for every child. 
Uh, and uh, I would also take an example from, you know, our other Asian peers. So we've seen uh, Japan, uh, Singapore and Indonesia uh, and actually taking very, very bold decisions and saying we're going to introduce coding, which is what NEP says for India as well, uh, starting grade sixth. Now, what does that mean? That actually means that they would be, they will have to be more project-based learning. Um, that also means that we'll have to shift and pivot from what we were doing from a curriculum framework perspective today to actually, you know, creating more hands-on experience for our uh, students. That also means that we will have to ensure a good access for our students. Uh, whether it's in the form of devices, whether it's in the form of internet being a fundamental, you know, fra uh, fundamental infrastructure in schools uh, and in, you know, kind of uh, government frameworks, that itself is a huge uh, shift. So the way that I look at it is that we've been having a lot of these conversations and today it's very real that we need to solve for them. Uh, and we are seeing a lot of uh, governments coming forward and saying, yes, we're going to make that decision, which probably was thought of as, pro you know, maybe two years down the line or three years down the line. Uh, but we have to advance some of those. Um, and I would say the uh, the impact of that would also be on, you know, the uh, the kind of role that we would want the teachers to play in the classroom because they have also had to adapt. It's also happening very, very fast. Uh, you know, so reskilling. Uh, and how will we actually meet that at scale? At uh, you know, that's that's an important question to be answered. And their role, uh, you know, in a classroom, should they also have access to those tools? Uh, and what those should be? So, what what are our think? What is our thinking in terms of not only certification for teachers, you know, framework for uh, teachers, but also again solving access for them uh, is is definitely important. So. Yeah, and that is going to happen across K-12 as well as higher education. And of course, the new segment, which is early years, which is also very, very interesting. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are powerful. You're a warrior who bathes in your enemy's tears. Then you step out of that refreshing tear bath and into a bathrobe that somehow looks good on you. Yeah, you can pull off a robe. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you save money for driving safely with Snapshot from Progressive. Mmm, savings you can use to buy more robes. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents.